The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's been an attorney mediator for 26 years, and during that time she's resolved thousands of disputes as a neutral conflict healer. She's a member of the Orange County Superior Court Mediation Panel, and she's been a law professor of negotiations and mediation and presently teaches negotiations right here at UCI. She's the author of Negotiations Breakthroughs and co-author of Stepping Stones to Success and several other books. To listen to previous interviews, see upcoming guests, download podcasts, and learn more, visit www.conflicthealing.com. So Mari, what's your show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about dealing with really high-conflict people. And you know those people that point at you and say, it's all your fault. Well, that's what we're going to talk about. We have an expert to talk with us today. In fact, I have this wonderful book right here in my hand, and the name of it is, It's All Your Fault, 12 Tips for Managing People Who Blame Others for Everything. I'm sure everybody here listening has known people or unfortunately has to deal with bosses or other people who say, it's all your fault. This is a great book, and I'm so pleased that I actually got to meet Bill Eddy, who is an attorney and an LCSW, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. But he was uh, a wonderful speaker at uh, a bar function I went to, and he was just a wonderful guy and a wonderful speaker, and this is a great book. So we decided we'd do a show on it, and I'm just so pleased to have him join us from San Diego. So let me tell you a little bit about this guy. He is just the best. Bill Eddy is an attorney, therapist, and mediator. He's a certified family law specialist in San Diego, California, where he's represented clients in family court and provided divorce mediation for the past 19 years. Prior to that, he provided psychotherapy for 12 years in psychiatric hospitals and outpatient clinics as a licensed clinical social worker, so he blends the best of both worlds. He's the president of the High Conflict Institute, which trains attorneys, mediators, judges, counselors, and others in dealing with high conflict disputes in all sorts of settings. And he is presented in over 25 states, several provinces in Canada, Australia, France, and Sweden. And he's the author of several books, including the one I told you right here in my hand, It's All Your Fault, 12 Tips for Managing People Who Blame Others for Everything, High Conflict People in Legal Disputes, and BIFF, Quick Responses to High Conflict People, And he is the developer of the New Ways for Families Method for Potentially High-Conflict Families, which is being implemented in several family law court systems in the United States and Canada. He has taught negotiation and mediation at the University of San Diego School of Law. 
He served as a special master and a settlement judge, and he is currently the senior family mediator at the National Conflict Resolution Center in San Diego. And he's part-time faculty at Pepperdine School of Law and also National Judicial College. So you can find out more about him, which there's a ton more about him, at highconflictinstitute.com. So, Bill, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Well, thank you, Mari. I'm really excited to be talking about these issues with you because I know you know a lot about them from your work. And it's fun. It's really fun because we've both experienced these kinds of people in our daily life, but also we've really had to deal with that in mediation. Unfortunately, conflict brings out the worst in people. So yep. so we've uh, we've had those chances, and I just love it. So let's talk about why it's so important not to take personal attacks seriously, because that's, you know, people want to blame you. So, so why is it so important? Well, the first, the first thing is it's not about you. In other words, when someone personally attacks you, they blame you, they scream at you, they send nasty emails, make nasty Facebook postings, whatever it is, it's about them, not about you. And their difficulty managing their own emotions, holding their tongue, or resisting the urge to hit send. So the first thing is it's not about you, so don't take it personally. But the second thing is if you do take it personally, you're going to react extremely defensively. And there's a lot of research uh, learning about the brain and that we have different brain systems for conflict that there's problem-solving type of conflict, and there's defending yourself against life-or-death attacks. And unfortunately, in today's society, when people say things that feel like a personal attack, we react as though we were in a life-or-death situation, and we end up making more of a conflict than there was in the first place. So it's just an easy way to remember. It's just don't take it personally. It's not about you. Right. And I, you know, I love this adage. I don't remember who said this, but um, there is a saying, speak when you're angry and you'll say the best speech you ever regret. Right. <laughs> right. I always tell that I, you know, my daughter called me recently. She was having problems with her roommate and I, and she said she lost it. And then I told her that and I said, think of that you know, Alyssa, every time that something like this happens, if you react, but you know, and then she goes, well, mom, you know, how, when someone pushes your buttons and you and I see this in mediation, when someone pushes your buttons, there's like this automatic thing that happens to, to people. So, you know, what do you tell people to do to actually not take it personally? One of the things I tell people is, you know, kind of take a deep breath before you say anything. What are some of the things that you say? Well, the first is to memorize a couple phrases you can just tell yourself. And actually, with uh, High Conflict Institute, we have a coffee mug that says, when you're personally attacked, it's not about you. And so when I see that and when I remind myself of that, it really seems to help. And that's one of the things I get a lot of good feedback on from people. They say, I just kept telling myself, it's not about me, it's not about me, it's not about me. So really memorizing a statement like that can help. So when a situation does come up, that phrase pops up too. And you go, oh, I don't have to react. And in many ways, it's, it's part of what we learn growing up 
uh, they talk about your brain isn't fully developed until you're about 25, and a big part of adolescence is learning how to have reactions but not speak them. In other words, just think it. You can think anything. It's what you do that really matters. So I think just little phrases that people can remind themselves, as well as having people around them who can say, look, you don't need to react to that. And, and in mediation, because we're both mediators, I'll often have someone blurts out a personal attack like that, and I'll say, okay, you know, let's focus on the future, what we're going to do now. And the other person says, oh, I have to respond to that. And they say, you know what, you don't have to respond. You don't have to defend anything here. Our focus is on how are we going to solve today's problems for the future. And it's, it's just a kind of takes practice. Yes. But I think everyone can do it. And, you know, just to kind of share with you a couple things that, that helped me is I have this, when someone attacks me, I already know that I feel it like in my gut, you know, in my solar plexus. So I envision just like when I feel it, I stop and I actually focus on it and I breathe into it and I kind of see this golden shield come up and then I'm okay. Then I'm okay. But I I have to actually visualize it, maybe because I'm a visual person, but that that helps me. And then what I do in mediation, you may laugh at me, Bill, but I have a bell. And when things, when someone does something and I can tell a button got pushed, I ring the bell and no one can talk until the bell no longer rings. When you know? Interesting. <laughs> and, and so I always carry this, you know, it's like these Asian bells and I just do it. And then when the, when the sound stops, by that time, you know, it's several seconds. No, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe 10, 15 seconds. They can't talk. That's the rule. And then by that time, they've had time to breathe into it, and then they don't respond. So well, that's my trick. Well, I think people catch themselves. And if you can do something distracting like that, um, I've had people say, I have to leave a mediation. And I'll say, okay, we're going to take a five-minute break or a 10-minute break. And when they come back, they're totally calm. Yes. And it's just... We, we tend to get triggered, and part of our brain is telling us life or death struggle here, and we've got to get the other part to kick in and say, no, it's not. You know, calm down. This is just a problem to solve. That is such a good point to just say, you know, that, that is one thing. I always tell people, just if you feel something, just get up, walk around. You know, you can leave for, you know, three, five minutes. If you have to go to the bathroom, go to the bathroom, and then come back so that we don't let it escalate. So, yeah. These are some of the tricks of mediators, but even with me, like I know it's, I think it's hard even for us, we're human beings. If, if my husband will say something to me that pushes my buttons, I have to just stop and something he said, he misunderstood something last night. And so I said, gee, you know, did you mean to say it like that? (laughs) I had to stop and breathe a few breaths and say, did you mean to say it like that? And he said, oh, you know what? I didn't, you know, so I I try to practice what I preach. But the truth is, you know, we all are human beings and we have to do the same things that we tell other people to do. Exactly, because these are human things. And some people say, oh, my goodness, why does it bother me? But it doesn't bother you. And I'll say, oh, stuff bothers me every week. (laughs) Um, and so it's, it's not something special about, about them. It's true for all human beings. The problem is it's a defense mechanism 
that gets over-triggered sometimes in daily life, and we have to put it back in its perspective and, and, and not feel that we're in a life-or-death struggle at that moment. Right. And as a mediator, you and I, when, when somebody, when they, their buttons get pushed, sometimes we're oblivious because we don't get it. We don't understand why that button got pushed when something so benign was said. So that's, uh, it's easier for us in terms of not getting stuck into their, their anger. So, yeah, it's it's always easier when we're the third party. than Exactly. <laughs> I, I always do better with other people's conflicts than my own. <laughs> I know. But then, but that's good because there are, they're great teachers for us. You know, yep. when I see something happen and I, I see myself in someone, or I mean, it's a great, just as much as we're teachers for them, they're basically teachers for us too. So it's great. Right, right. So what about giving negative feedback? What, you know, people say, well, I have to give negative feedback. I have to tell them what they did wrong. What do you say about that? Well, what I say about that is when, and the the title of the book, as you mentioned, It's All Your Fault, is a subtitle, 12 Tips for Managing People Who Blame Others for Everything. Hmm. People who blame others a lot tend to not have the ability to reflect on their own behavior. So if you give them negative feedback, they take that, as a life-and-death threat, and they get ready to fight with you, usually verbally, but they can be very offended. And so if you think, hmm, this is a person that blames people a lot, or what I often refer to as a high-conflict person, and if they're a high-conflict person, they're not going to take your feedback very kindly. And this is true even if they're giving you negative feedback is remember this is their problem, not yours. And being able to let it go or focus on what to do in the future is a much more effective approach because you can take someone who's somewhat defensive and give them your negative feedback, which may be accurate, maybe a lot of insight in it, but if it's a high-conflict person who blames a lot, they're just going to escalate and attack you verbally um, and possibly other ways. You know, they, they do passive-aggressive things where people take it out on you, you know, the next day or something like right. that. So it's really, it's really to save yourself that trouble. There's nothing you have to tell someone else. And the, the, the theme I think of is if you tell a blind person to see something, they're not going to see it because they're blind. Right. And it's the same thing with a high-conflict person, someone who blames a lot. You tell them something is, can't you see what you're doing? And they can't. And so they're just going to get frustrated with you, and you'll get frustrated with them. So it's really it's better to focus on the future and make some decisions and proposals about the future than to give negative feedback. Right. So rather than telling what you don't want, then... Maybe to put it in a very positive way and just say, in the future, I would be really grateful if you could do this. Is that possible? Excellent. Yeah. yeah. And that way you're you're not even dealing with what happened in the past. You're only asking for what you want in the future. I know I have to do that with my husband all the time. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I get it. I get it. So but, uh, what but is... You're really right. It's really, <laughs> it's really trying to just, if by focusing on the future... The person doesn't have to get defensive and, and upset with you and may actually be quite cooperative with you. Right. 
so much more effective. Exactly. So um, what is a negative advocate? Well, a negative advocate is someone who tends to defend and justify uh, another person's behavior that's really negative. Like I mentioned, high-conflict people. They tend to have a lot of negative emotions, negative thoughts, negative behaviors. And so they keep looking for advocates who will agree with them and help them fight with other people. In many ways, it's like someone who's an alcoholic or an addict, and they have enablers or codependents who kind of think they're helping the problem, but they're actually reinforcing the problem. So negative advocates could be anyone, and I'm sure we all have been, especially in our families, when someone's been acting badly and we've defended them to other people instead of saying, hey, Mary, hey, Joe, you know, you got to cut that out. Yeah. Instead, they say, oh, it must be the other person's fault. Let's go sue the other person or fight with the other person. And, and so it's, it's a negative type of advocating for someone who has their own negative behavior. Right. And, you know, how the older I get, Bill, the more I realize that if I allow any kind of negative thinking, it just brings me down and life is too short. Yep. So I just say to myself, okay, when life brings you lemons, just make lemonade. And, you know, what is the good coming out of this? And how can we look for the good in all this? Even people who come to me in divorce like they do to you, you know, they go, oh, this is... Look what he did to me as a new, you know, as a new girlfriend or a new boyfriend or all these things. Look what this person did to me, and I go, you know, we're, you know, if you really think about it, if if he wasn't happy, I know you weren't happy. Well, that's true. I wasn't happy. I said so. Maybe this is a real blessing in disguise for you to reinvent yourself, renew. This think of it as a great opportunity, you know. And so, you know, I, I, it's very hard to be around people who are negative all the time, and you and I are in that. I mean, when I'm not in mediation, I don't have any friends that are negative because if they're negative, I don't want to be friends with them anymore because it's just too draining. It, it's hard to do this work and have a lot of negative friends. So. <laughs> <laughs> and is. I think for most people that's true. They say the reports these days are that the most troubling thing in the workplace is difficult other workers. Yes. Um, it used to be job stress, pressure to get deadlines done. It used to be pay. It used to be this and that. Of course, pay is an issue. But the, some of the more recent reports say that it's, it's the more difficult coworkers that give the biggest stress. People go home with their stomach in knots or whatever. And learning these kinds of tips, we're talking about it in terms of divorce mediation and people going through relationship changes. But it's really everywhere in the workplace and communities that people can just disengage from the conflict and it'll make their life a lot easier. Exactly. So we are speaking today with the author of It's All Your Fault, Bill Eddy. And the subtitle is 12 Tips for Managing People Who Blame Others for Everything. So we're not talking to you guys, even though we're both mediators and we deal with conflict all the time, whether it's divorce or if it's business, but we're talking about stuff that you can use this very day because there are going to be people that you're going to meet at the grocery store or in, in your office or wherever or in your family who are negative. And so that is, you know, or who have some personality problems. So you have to learn to be able to deal with it to, to survive yourself. 
So let's talk about this. And you say in your book, don't miss with the narcissist. Okay, so first you bet I know what a narcissist is, but maybe you better first explain that to my audience. And then what would the consequences be? Okay. Well, a lot of people today are starting to hear about narcissists, and they're actually about 6% of the population are people with narcissistic personality disorder, which means that they really have a problem they don't see, but it really is seen by the people around them and may cause them great distress. And we see that, of course, in our, some of our high-conflict divorces. Someone with, with a lot of narcissism is very self-centered, sees themselves as superior, they tend to show disdain and insults and disrespect to the people closest to them as well as others in their lives, and they get very upset if you criticize them. So it's kind of a double standard, and it's very tempting to want to bring them down a peg and say, hey, listen, buddy, you're not so great after all. The trouble is, under the surface, they're really not so sure they're so great either. And so they're always blowing their own horn and trying to act superior and sound superior and get people to agree with them. So if you have someone like that in your life, you don't want to dis, in other words, show disrespect for the narcissist. Instead, what you want to do is to just calm them down, Find something that you do like about them or can respect about them and say, wow, I really respect how hard you worked on that project. Or I really respect some of the things you've done as a co-parent. So it, it can be helpful to show some respect, but as an equal. Don't reinforce that they're superior and don't try to make them inferior or you'll just have them personally attacking you and your life will be much more difficult. So that's, that's the consequence of dissing a narcissist is they'll put a lot of energy into dissing you and maybe even involving other people with it. We see that on the Internet all the time. Right, right. Well, how about a histrionic person? Why don't you explain what that is? Because, you know, we, we see all these people in the workplace or we see all these people in our lives, and so it's kind of a, important to kind of know what they are and what to do with them. So what about right. the histrionic type of person? And, and histrionic's another one of the four that I describe in the book. We talk about histrionic, narcissistic, uh, borderline personalities, and antisocial personalities. So histrionics are the ones who are are extra dramatic. Everything's a crisis. Oh my goodness, I can't believe this. And there's a lot of emotion to it, but there isn't much really information. And you realize that this person interprets everything uh, very dramatically. So you'll have someone that says, you know, my life is horrible. I'm being abused by the other person in my relationship. And they'll have the same intense emotion while they'll say, you know what the other person did yesterday? They were five minutes late to uh, pick up the child or to give me a ride or something. And it isn't that people aren't abused. A lot of people are abused. But with a histrionic person, everything is 100 on a scale of 0 to 100. And so it's, and sometimes they are being abused, but they don't have credibility because they're so dramatic. And that's sad. I've had clients like that as, as a divorce attorney. 
um, who really were abused, but they were so dramatic, no one believed them, and we had to get information from other people instead. So it's the people who have the drama, and the thing to do is say, you know, are you sure about that? Do you have some, is, could someone else confirm that for me? Um, and not to get hooked into their stories, because they can be very dramatic, and you, it's, it's hard to get out of conversations with them often, because as soon as you're ready to leave, they emotionally escalate a couple more notches. And then <laughs> what happens? <laughs> exactly. So how can you connect using your ear, E-A-R? That's in your book, too. Well, that's one of the main techniques we talk about in the book, is really connecting with an upset person or a high-conflict blaming person. Instead of blaming them back, is to use empathy, attention, and respect. And so a statement that shows one of those tends to calm them down. So I, I once had a mediation where one of the parties leaned over, pointed his finger about six inches from my nose, and told me that I was going to tell his ex-wife-to-be that he was going to win on an issue. And so I felt, of course, like, you know, punching him in the nose. But (laughs) (laughs) instead, what I said is, I said, well, I can see how upset you are. This is a very important issue to you. And don't worry, I'll pay attention to your concerns. And I have a lot of respect for how you prepared for today's meeting because the person had a lot of paperwork and charts and things. And so it totally calmed the person down. That was the E for empathy. How about A? The A was telling him, I'll pay attention to your concerns. Or you can also tell somebody, tell me more. You know, and that's one good thing to do also when you feel like reacting Yes. is say, well, tell me more. I want to understand what's going on. And if you do that in a calm tone of voice, people almost always calm down because they do want to tell someone. And if you're a good listener, they're going to calm down because they feel that you're really paying attention to them. But you don't have to do it too long before you say your ear statement. And like, you know, don't worry, I'll pay attention to your concerns, or I know this is a hard situation, I'll work with you on this, Um, this does upset a lot of people, I I know you're not the only one, Um, and let's look at what we can do now. So those, those kinds of things really calm upset people, even the ones pointing their finger at you. Right, because they, they do want to be heard. That That's really important to them. So then what is the R? What was the, the R? The stand? R is for respect. Okay, to show them respect and dignity. And so you yeah. can say what you respect about the person, and it can just be something they just did. Um, and like, if you can't think of anything you respect about the person, then just say, tell me more. <laughs> yeah, and then you could say, I respect that you could, could share that with me. <laughs> That's yeah. a bit, you can respect that, yeah. Yeah, it's, and, and it's not easy to do this. It takes some practice, but you'd be amazed how it calms people down, even the ones who are angry with you. Yeah, so we are just about out of time, Bill, and I just want to make sure everybody knows about your book, It's All Your Fault, 12 Tips for Managing People Who Blame Others for Everything by Bill Eddy. Bill, why don't you just give your website, and we're going to have to have you back again. I'd love to do that. It's fun. So, so my website is highconflictinstitute.com. Just one long word, high conflict, H-I-G-H, conflict, 
www.thelibrarypodcast.com. And And we've got a lot of free articles as well as other books and other resources there. And and you're terrific, and I'm so glad we got to meet in person, and and we will have you back again, Bill. Next book, you just give me a call, and we'll do it again. Excellent. Well, I look forward to it. Okay, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank, host of Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. Visit our website at conflicthealing.com and write us about what's important to you or what concerns you have about conflict in your life and listen to our archived interviews, download podcasts, see our upcoming guests, and we hope that you'll join us next Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. right here on KUCI. Bye. in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.